2: Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey guys, what's up? It's Kay here. Welcome to another episode of the Heart of Dating Podcast. We are in season 10, our season on sex. It has been incredible. We only have a few more episodes to go in this season. And here's the first thing I want to do. If you have enjoyed this season, would you do us a favor and write us a review on iTunes? It means so much, you guys, especially if you've never ranked us or written us a review and you've been listening forever. Would you do that for us? And then secondly, would you do us a favor and share this episode or your favorite episode from this series with a friend of yours really helps us to get discovered. We really want this content in the ears of people because we believe this is healing. And these are conversations that don't often get to be had that we're trying to have here on Heart of Dating. Today is a special conversation because JJ and I got to bring on our good friends, Josh and Sydney Benson. Fun fact, JJ definitely has a man crush on Josh and you'll see why Josh is hysterical. And in fact, he has an epic TikTok channel that you guys all have to check out. You've probably seen him a time or two on our Heart of Dating uh, Instagram page as well. And Sydney has been a good friend of mine for a few years and I love her heart specifically for healing. Some powerful truth bombs today together. We just love Josh and Sydney. We love to play Katam. We love to hang out with them. We love to joke around with them. And they're just a bunch of fun and a really incredible couple in the kingdom. So today we're talking about body image and sex, okay? Because so many people struggle with body image, and we'll talk about the stats today in this episode. But this is something that, of course, is going to be a journey in many of our lives. But we have to talk about this before we get married, um, and even just in the dating process. This is important in dating because if you're not confident in your skin, you're not going to have a successful, fun, thriving time dating, and you will probably have every rejection contribute to your insecurities and feelings of self-worthlessness. So today we talk about body image specifically in the context of marriage and sex and why it's so important to really heal and discuss some of these things before you get into marriage. So let me tell you who Sydney and Josh really are. Sydney is a social media influencer and strategist from Dallas, Texas, with a vulnerable down to earth approach to ministry that's meant to inspire others to fully live out the calling God has on their lives. She's the founder of GGCE, a consulting company for creative and digital media services, specializing in ministry and nonprofit sectors. Sydney is most known for her online social media presence and her faith-based blog of seven years, where she gave a biblical perspective on controversial, relevant topics within Christianity. She most recently launched a film and podcast series called The Trauma Series, which equips others with the tools needed to process and heal from past pain. I actually got the honor and privilege to be on The Trauma Series and talk about abuse and signs of abuse, so definitely go check that out for many reasons. A, to support Sydney, and B, if you want to see my episode I did with her. And then Josh, let's talk about Josh. Josh has been living and dying by the three C's, Christ, cats, and clean humor (laughs) for nearly a decade. But he's been a comedian on social media for over three years. He loves Jesus and loves... Poking fun at the Christianese things we all know and hold so dear. He can be found on Instagram at, at itschurchchad and on TikTok at, at joshbensontherapper. I am obsessed. Together, they are absolutely so much fun and filled with rich wisdom. And I really think you're going to enjoy today's episode. All right, let's get into it. Okay guys, so today's episode, we are going to dive straight on in. We are in a series on sex and we've been like group texting on the side about all the posts on social media, all the comments, all the things that are happening. And there's been a lot of spiciness. It's good. Um, But I did a poll on Instagram and this is really fascinating. So 2000 people responded and 77% of the people who responded, most of whom are single, said they have fear and anxiety as it relates to sex. And then I did a question box and I said, okay, well, what is this fear and anxiety coming from? And there are several reasons, but one really common reason was body image. And so I just want to start the episode out with a few stats because I find this to be fun and interesting. But uh, upwards of 90% of women specifically struggle with body image issues compared to about 20 to 40, I mean, that's like a really wide range of men who struggle with body image issues. So it still is a struggle for men, but it is a different comparison. You know, it's like almost every single woman struggles with her body and the way she views her body in some way. And I read somewhere that on average, women have at least one negative thought about themselves every minute, like one negative thought, which is I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, that's, it, yeah, it's, it's like really sad to say or think that that's a reality, but I think, but it is. And, you know, another thing is if you ask a woman to name the top things, like, hey, name top the top three things that you are insecure about with your body or you don't like about your body she's like, oh my gosh, only three? Like, There's like 10, 20, 30. She's like, I mean, like, how do I narrow it down? Versus if you ask her the things she likes, it's like a different, she's like, ooh, probably struggling to name a few, Um, let alone trying to get to 10 of what she likes about her body would be really tough. Um, So I just want to open the discussion here uh, because we're talking about body image and sex and how that does affect sex, and uh, you know this is a podcast for singles mostly, and so it it is something that will deeply come into marriage. And there's many things we're going to talk about today, but um, what for you guys? Just this is more of a broad question. What are some of the biggest things you have heard or you've seen when it comes to body image and sex, and maybe also how that affects marriage?
3: I think just to start it off, something that we even kind of, when when talking about this podcast today and, and talking through some of the stuff that we've seen, um, I, I think in general, if you have a, if, if you struggle with body image, which is something I can personally attest to, um, that whenever you are having a sexual, sexual intimacy, if you're having sex, it is one of the most vulnerable positions that you can yes. ever be in. Um, And also as a woman, I can't speak for a man, but (laughs) you can throw that in there. But um, having the trust for someone to come into some of your most insecure spaces um, is already another difficult obstacle in itself. And so you're dealing with, I think, too, like if you are struggling with how you feel about your body, then going into sex, it's 10 times harder to want to even engage in sexual activity, um, because you don't feel confident going into a very vulnerable place, would you say that that's like similar to men in your case?
1: I'd say so. I mean, Kate had had the stats. You know, twenty to forty percent. Maybe I'm a part of the twenty to forty percent, but certainly there are things that I feel like I I'm, I'm insecure on, and like when you give me like uh, verbal. Like, I don't know, compliments or just like whatever. It definitely makes me more, I, I would say, more like coherent for sex. Like, more like, yeah, like I could have sex. Like, you're like really whatever. Like, I could engage you, like, whatever. Cause then you're not like thinking about it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about the other like 80 to 60% of men that like don't do it. I don't know how, but like, <laughs> I, I think I'm more like in your line of thinking as far as like there are insecurities. And I like when you like speak into them.
3: Well, and when, at least what I hear from like a lot of women is that, especially as Christians, when you're, when you're trying to wait until marriage and you don't have as much experience in the area of sex per se, um, not all, but some, um, when you're trying to come into something that you already are inexperienced in, that also creates another level of insecurity about your body, even the way that it moves, the things that it does. And so, um, it, it can really impact marriage and impact that connection and that connection time. Um, but I would say even more so like it can really impact the willingness to want to engage in sexual intimacy. And that's where it really starts to harm a marriage or can harm a marriage. Um, and that's where I think major communication comes into play, uh, which I don't know if we, if really as a, as a whole, the church has really prepared men and women to be able to have those conversations and know what that looks like to be able to talk about it.
0: Yeah, it's such a good point because, and I love that, you know, both of you guys were just super honest and you did such a good job of like even defining what do you mean like body image issue. And for a woman, like if that one negative thought a minute, <laughs> that is like, cr- it is a lot. Like yeah. that's how negative it is. Mm-hmm. Or when you say three things and they can list 10, they can like to the very nitty gritty thing. Yeah, And so whether it's Josh or you, Sydney, whether it's me, because I definitely have things, you know, that I'm not proud of per se of my body uh, or boast about. Uh, but I think the opportunity that you just talked about, Sydney, is it's one thing to just say, I don't care or not talk about it but it's another when your spouse and your partner affirms mm. that that very thing that you're insecure about they say not only do I not care but I love that about you yeah you think your arms are small Josh i think you have massive arms <laughs> they're so chiseled and I nice and defined yeah. i love <laughs> the way they look josh is going to feel like vin diesel after that you know <laughs> like, <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, like Well, and I think another part of what you said to Sydney, that is really good is that not only do you come into marriage often, both parties and especially women with a level of body shame, you also, or body image insecurity, like you also like, there's a reality of like, I don't know all these parts of my body, you know, like this is very new and I'm not really sure how this really even functions. And I feel a little insecure about that. And, is this right? Like, does this, is this how it's supposed to feel? Is this how it's supposed to react? Is this like, there's a lot of unknown. And that does also create a lot of fear. And then the other part that just I'm going to throw in there is like the the reality too, is that body shame in general is just very untalked about within the church. And though, like for women, especially 90% of women are struggling with this, but I've really never, I I don't know, I'm going to say I've probably never heard a sermon where we're talking about how to really like conquer the body shame that majority of people, especially women, feel. And if if anything, it's like, pray it away. You're made in the image of God and, you know, like your body is a temple and all these things that we like throw the Christianese phrases on it, right? And there's no like room to discuss like this really real thing that majority of women go through and um, for many reasons. I mean, we could trace back why body image is such a problem, but um i i think that's just that's just something i wanted to mention and i think this leads into the next point i want to talk through which is so many christians grew up learning to turn off their body uh specifically women learned like hide your body like hide your body turn off your body hide your body and men also learned turn off your body but this again it like creates this narrative right that my, I have to disconnect from my body and my body is like a foreign bad thing, right? So tell, tell, tell me what you guys think about this. Cause I have a (laughs) lot of thoughts, but I want to hear what you guys think.
3: (laughs) This I think is one of the, I I think that this narrative really was birthed in love for the most part, um, to be taught to people. And yet I think it ended up being one of the most harmful things that we can (laughs) could teach people um, not necessarily in a way to abstain from sex, but um, separating your mind from your body is literally the definition of a PTSD symptom. Um, And so we're not only that, but I think even in the, in the age where porn in the porn industry is so extreme right now, that that is just another way that this can kind of, um, what's the word, like play into this narrative. Mm-hmm. I know I've kind of got a little off track there, but the point of it being that um, whenever you are told to separate your mind from your body and you come into marriage and you're having that first sexual encounter or like encounters, you know, all of them. Um, I mean, coming from a background, one of trauma, this was something that was really hard for me because as someone who had been assaulted in the past, I came in with that being um, even more normal because of situations where I like fully had to like separate my mind from my body. But we even noticed in our relationship that that's, and luckily I'd been in counseling and that's something that we could look at. But um, even outside of the trauma, knowing that we had labeled like body as bad, for the most part, not always, but your body is bad. You need to cover it. It, it causes lust. It, um, brings the wrong type of attention, all those things. It doesn't just drop and go away whenever you get married. Mm -hmm. Those are still things that you're learning how to like shift your mind and re-navigate. And so we even, and we had talked about it beforehand, but like our first sexual encounter was interesting because we were so focused on the physical aspect and we didn't really know how to connect personally with our minds, even, or our emotions. And so it was very like distant and it wasn't very loving. Um, And thankfully, like we got that worked out pretty quick, but (laughs) it was really sad for us at first because that was something that was really hard for us to kind of like get over that hedge and learn like, Oh, how do we, in this moment, like connect and how do I, I suddenly not see my body as bad. And even I think like how to not remain in that guilt of, oh, we have done a sexual act now, even though we're in marriage. Yeah. Um, what do you think about
1: yeah. that? Yeah. I, I heard Tim Ross talking about this. It, it's kind of like, a when you have even outside of people who have gone through like trauma in a sexual sense when you're dating and you don't have good boundaries, oftentimes like the dating, the Christian dating method is just like, get as close to sex as possible and then like shut it down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's just, like, you know, I'm horny. but then it's like, okay, and we're not going to have sex. And like, you train your body, like literally in that model. Yeah. Like in that model. And that's not how your body's supposed to like act towards sex. Like God did not create us to get like, all horned up and then be like, all right, nothing's happening now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's like poor boundaries. And then like you said, Kate, like it's the unknown. So now sex isn't just like this unknown of like, oh yeah, like I'll get married. Now it's like this, oh my gosh, what am I, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's this huge deal almost in a giant way. And then you get to marriage and it's like Sid saying, you're like, I feel guilty. Like I I didn't shut it down, but like my body doesn't really know. And you're Mm -hmm. like, very just confused i would say when you don't have like good boundaries and and you kind of just like flirt with it the whole time and then you like shut it down you know
0: yeah i mean it's by far the number one question right when we get to the physical boundaries conversation (laughs) everyone's like it's kind of shocking the question is never how do i stick to them or how do i how do i create them out of a great place
2: what's the line yeah, what's it's like what's the line? How far?
0: <laughs> is the line? How is this okay? Far? Is this not
2: okay? Is I'm like, oh wow, how far yes. is too far? And I've asked those questions too. I get why people are asking them. Yeah,
0: but that's but exactly right. It's if you're asking that question for me, that immediately signals you're you're absolutely tackling this in the wrong sense, mm-hmm. right? It's like when you read, flee the sexual immorality of your youth. It's not saying get as close to it as possible, right? <laughs> it's saying turn around and run towards God. Like you're you're not just turning, you're not flirting with it, you're running towards something greater. Right. So the question naturally should be is how can I best glorify God in our physical boundaries?
2: Mm.
0: Not how much grace can I play with this week?
2: But the the kind of like in between that we're talking about too to this is like, Okay, so if they do run away from it, you know, like the the answer is not to like, but in running away from sexual immorality or creating healthy boundaries, the reality is not to also just turn, like disconnect from our bodies because that's where it's like, with our, with the framing of like, yeah, have these strict boundaries or run away, which I'm, I am about that. But then like there, where's the place for like, okay, but it's still healthy to connect with your body. This thing is not bad. Actually, we had a master class in our program TSA the other night and Deb Felata said, this was awesome. She confessed to her mentor that she had crossed boundaries with a guy she had been dating long time ago, not her husband. And this was an amazing response. You guys, the mentors first. Response was, wow! Like thank God you have a healthy sexual desire. Like thank God you have a healthy sexual desire. I first want you to know that that is a really amazing thing that you have. That is really really good. And the the first response wasn't oh gosh, like it's going to be a really hard road from here, or man, like you know whatever. Like the immediate because she already had the guilt. She already had levels of shame too. So. She's like first starting like, hey, this is a beautiful thing, and thank the Lord that you have that desire because that desire is good. Now, if you're waiting for marriage, let's talk about like how do we properly steward that if that is your desire, right? But her first response wasn't like, uh, like you know whatever we could all insert in the response (laughs) that she could have said, and I loved that that was the first reply. Like, wow, thank God you have that desire.
3: It really wasn't until. Oh my goodness. How old was I? I mean, maybe 23 years old. The first time that I, like someone actually told me and I, I, it actually, it may have been really the first time someone actually had told me that like having a sexual desire is healthy. And I was like, huh? What? Like, and, and they, and we, it's something that you think you would know, but if you're taught it wrong growing up or in the church, then it's engraved in your mind that like, this desire is bad, shove it down. This desire is bad. And it's not that you shouldn't have the boundaries with it. It's that if you can recognize that this is something very healthy, it's something that's going to be beautiful in your marriage one day. And it's something that is going to be expressed beautifully in marriage one day. It still, I think does change the conversation of, which I think you might've even had a better mindset of that than I did going in, um, because I had just been, there had been so much shame and negativity and things surrounding being sexually active or like even having the desire. And the thing about women is that women in sex, like their mind is just as connected in sex, if not more than their body. And so their mind being prepared is a lot of times even more important than their, <laughs> their mind has to be prepared for their body to be prepared. Yes. And so if I think it's another dangerous aspect of it is that when we teach women to separate their minds from their bodies, they get in marriage. And we have now created this environment where both men and women, some knowingly and some unknowingly, I think it is fair to say both sides, um, think it's normal to expect that women can continue to do that in marriage And so that if they're not feeling it, to still be able to like disconnect like their mind from their body, because that's something that they've been doing for so long. And it's something that's been practiced in relationships. And I, taking a woman's mind out of sex is like the number one way to kill sex. Yes. (laughs) Honestly. Yes.
1: Um, what What a disservice to the woman too, like not being able to mentally be present during like sex, which in the confines of marriage is like something that's great too. It's like you get to enjoy sex too, you know, like kind of a disservice to women. Well, it's a
0: disservice, exactly. It, well, it's a disservice to God because uh, God created that to be a, a fully bonded experience between mind, heart, and soul on um, both parties. Mm. And so any, and we love to silo, right? We love to compartmentalize and make things a little bit easier to process or disassociate. And so it's, it's such a great point as in, if it's a mind-body-soul experience, and really, you know, we come back to this a lot. It's a sacrament, meaning it's so much more than just a physical act. Mm. It's a it's a representation of an invisible reality, and it's a big deal, just like, you know, communion is a, is a massive deal. Think about kind of just casually doing communion or making fun of communion or communion was done in mockery. It'd be a massive deal to us mm. in the yeah. sense of it was not done well and that's the exact same attitude i think that we should approach sex like it is a it is such a massive deal in the invisible reality of what happens between those two humans
2: yeah i think you know, to the point that you're making about women dis- specifically connect disconnecting their mind and body, another thing that happens and you see so often is it is like pretty much impossible. I don't know if it's like f- fully impossible, but very, very hard for a woman to orgasm if her mind is not connected to what's happening. Like it's not like a man, and I don't know if men can do this like without their mind, but like and it's different. Like a woman being, woman being able to orgasm is a very, it's a mental situation. Like obviously it's physical, it's physical and mental. (laughs) And you have to be in a really connected, healthy mental place in order to get there. And to that point of, if you've been, if you've learned, disconnect your mind from your body, especially for women, like you're probably not going to be able to orgasm. Like it's, Even if it feels somewhat good, you're not going to be able to get there. Like, there are so many times, like, when we're having sex, like, just fully honestly, like, I'm like, is my mind in like the right place right now? Or like, or if like it shifts for a moment, like, okay, get your mind back because other, like nothing's going to happen unless my mind is present and I'm connected to this moment. Like if I'm thinking about the, what I have to do that day or this and the other, forget it. Like, you know, it's done and, and it's not, it's not enjoyable. There's so many elements. So it's like your mind has to be connected and present and, um, and, and, and just in order to be able to experience pleasure at all.
3: It's been, I think, very healing because I dated a lot of interesting men, um, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, I didn't really used to look for red flags. Uh, I just ignored them. Um, but I would say that I, who had commented a lot about um, whether it was like, body weight or like what I'm eating like along with this body image stuff like body weight eating um, uh, or even like as far as the boundaries of like what you're expected to do as someone who gets a man aroused even in a Christian setting because unfortunately the the reality is that there are still those out there that that do pressure even in the context of this is a Christian relationship. There wasn't really space for me to be able to, I think even in like kissing or anything like match my mind up to where my body was. And I think I came into marriage because of this with more expectations of needing to do that. And I really came in believing that that was part of my role and something I was going to have to do. Mm. Uh, And even though uh, luckily I was kind of in the learning phase, so I was learning a lot more about this and I was in great with a great counselor. We were in great counseling, but, um, to find instead of what I thought it was going to be to instead find a man who is gentle and kind and also is very much values my mind being in it. Um, it was very healing for me to see him, and I mean, it made me trust him and want him even more when I saw that, like, he was even put off in times where my, like, he can tell when my mind starts to drift or, you know, some if there's that ever that separation or if I'm not in it, um, or if he comes to me and is like, hey, you want sexy time or whatever? And I'm like, what if you gave me like two hours so that I can like I just where my mind's at right now I'm a little stressed but once I get past this point I'm gonna be great and he has just consistently like valued that and has been so like excited about me being all in with like our our sex and not removed from it and I mean that is just amazing like it's literally amazing um so,
0: shout out to you, Josh. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, ja, I mean that's su- is such a great point, Sydney, mm-hmm. and it really is the difference between a man who seeks to cherish, create space to desire mutually pleasurable sexual encounters instead of him just, you know, feeding a, you know, a need or a desire. So, Josh, would you say, you know, I think what's great about that is one that's the opposite of what's modeled. Um, especially in the the culture of pornography or James Bond, you know, that's like two of the kind of like main influences for, for men. It's this kind of machoism or pornography addiction, which I definitely came from. Where would you say that started for you? Was it modeled? Was it just something that you felt like the Holy Spirit guiding you in your heart and your
1: actions? That's a good question. Um, I don't know, you know, kind of same background, JJ, like. Addicted to porn for like, I mean, ever since I hit puberty, I guess you know, like a large portion of my life, like when that started, like honestly, like just credit to like Holy Spirit, just over time because it definitely wasn't always like that. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like the culture is very much, to put it crudely, just as a man, like like get your nut and like you're good, like nothing else really matters. And uh-huh. I, I think there comes like a point. Or at least in my life there came like a point where it's kinda like you realize how badly men objectify women, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, dude, I don't want to do that to like any woman, especially my wife, you know what I'm saying? And so yeah, it, it took a while, like high school Josh or whatever, just like over time, but like, yeah, I'm I'm very happy that we're <laughs> where we're at. I know.
2: Well, that's powerful too, because clearly the Holy Spirit's speaking to you through that, but also your character in that you actually deeply care about not objectifying women, because it's very easy, even in subtle ways, even in the Christian world, to objectify women. And um, you know, we—I don't even think we have time to get into the whole conversation, which we're going to do a separate episode on too about just the con- the concept of like me- all men lest, and therefore women need to be the gatekeepers for. Men not lusting and help mitigate their lust problem, right? And there's a it's just but that that is objectifying to women. like that. Saying that is objectifying, it's dehumanizing the woman, it's also dehumanizing to the man. But I'm sure, Josh, in, in the years that you've been um a Christian, and I know for JJ, like it's not an uncommon thing to hear. And this isn't just from purity culture. This is like all the time people are saying, like, oh, men, they're just such visual creatures, they can't help themselves. Like they, you <laughs> like women, gotta cover up, right? Like, all you think think through every probably common phrase, Josh, that you might put on church. Chad, that like might be said like it's josh that. is
0: like you got all this content yeah. coming to me right now <laughs> yeah, and, uh, exactly. he's like pre-planning in his mind right there oh, no but
2: it just yeah uh, go ahead, it, go that's ahead. Kind of like just I don't,
1: I don't even want to say that the history of the church just that's like the history of mankind like um yeah. nt right said it best it, the story of the bible it's like the the story of the adulterous woman and T. right was like, it should have been the, the story of the adulterous couple. Like, where's the man at? Takes two to tango. And I feel like just like, historically, like, it's always been like this heap of shame on the woman. And then it's like, you know, the guy's like, oh, he's just a horn dog. He can't help himself. so, you know.
0: Yeah, right. it's a boy's club. And
1: it very much so is like, equal responsibility, uh, if not more honestly, on the man's plate because of like how we're called. And like, it's just not like the standard, unfortunately, even though I feel like it's finally being drawn out that way, but like historically it just has not been <laughs> standard.
3: Even I would say, and like kind of, we I won't dive too much into like the gatekeeping thing, but like in that topic, it's, it can be very dangerous to do that in a marriage because, and in dating, because if a woman is for so many reasons, but like one that has stood out a lot that I've seen in a lot of relationships is that if a woman is gatekeeping and dating, and uh, then that means if a line or boundaries crossed that, that 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 that's on her completely exactly. um, to the point that yep. even after I was like assaulted, uh, the man was a Christian and prayed forgiveness over me because I had allowed it to happen. And wow. that's a little bit wow. more of an intense uh example there but that just like this was a pastor's son so like this is that that gatekeeping concept even when i've spoken about it to like college women and women in high school um I remember my mom coming to one and coming after in tears to me being like I'm so sorry I taught you that that was what I was taught growing up that's what I learned in the church. And so that's what I taught you. But what we're seeing is that then in marriage, it shifts to the woman is still the gatekeeper, but in the opposite way. Mm. So if you're not having sex, then it's the woman's fault. And that's so dangerous because it, it does take two to tango and it like sex is an intimate act between two people. And so whenever, (laughs) like whether you're, whether it's sex in marriage or whether it's, working hard together to make sure that you don't have sex before marriage. It's two people coming together that are both flawed humans. And so having that extra person there in dating to be able to like help with boundaries and help maintain those when one of you guys has a weak moment, or even then if, and the other side in marriage, if, One person is feeling insecure, is having like body image moments and like needs encouragement from the other. Or if one just needs a minute or a break or to be like, not now, and having that encouragement from another person. Those are all things that require two people like coming together, communicating, and working together. And so I think that is just, we've always, we've, chosen moments from the Bible and we've chosen verses and we've hand picked them out and we've stopped them before we've finished the rest of what they say. And it's the the reality is that all the verses that talk on this subject really do end up empowering women. They give instructions there, but they do bring women into the conversation in ways that had not been done before. And I think it's a disservice to all that the Bible teaches us to handpick and pull out moments that still just place the blame on women and kind of take women's yeah. ideas and thoughts and feelings out of the conversation because that's not what love is. Love doesn't do that.
2: Yeah.
3: Sorry, that was very long-winded.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, that was like, is so powerful, and you know, it. We take cherry pick, and we also don't look at context and like what you know. We we've all pro- talked about this privately. The First Corinthians seven verses that like everyone wants to quote when I'm like talking about hey. Is a wife really obligated to have sex with her husband? I believe no. I believe sex is important. However, obligation is a very harsh word. And let's look at what that actually means. But then people are like, well, but what about 1 Corinthians 7, right? And we go to like, if you actually look at the context of that, which we talked about in a different episode, like what Paul is saying is so revolutionary because it's he's actually saying women didn't have a right before to their bodies or really at all to anything but he's saying like likewise the wife has um has like say over her husband's body which means like she has empowerment she has a say in the situation and he also goes on to talk about how sex should be mutual so this it's like a big powerful thing of mutuality but it's we don't we're we're still somehow looking at it and saying, oh, but like this is so like the the woman has to have sex with the man, and um, I just there. Oh gosh, I get so fired up when we talk about this because every time I'm like, ah, <laughs> like I just want to say so much. But I think you know I just want to call out one other thing because you shared so vulnerably and beautifully, and I want to just also say what like when we have this concept of gatekeeper, women are the gatekeeper for men's lust, meaning like if a man is, man, men always struggle with lust. And so women, you have to cover up, you have to help your brothers not stumble, you know, and it teaches women that if a man quote unquote stumbles and you're a part of that because he makes out with you or crosses boundaries with you, then it's your fault. But then if you take that to the extreme, like your example, Sydney, that. Something similar happened to me where I was raped by a man and I knew this guy, but I had no desire for what happened to happen. And afterwards I had... Because of these thought processes that were ingrained in my mind, I could just completely blame myself. And I never actually categorized it for as rape because I was like, I knew him and I was probably asking for it and this that, and the other. And therefore, I shoved it down and didn't address it and told nobody about it. And it wasn't until years and years and years later when somebody asked me the question, have you been raped? Um, obviously, they didn't just randomly ask that. It was like a safe yeah. conversation. It was like, oh my gosh, I had like my whole body started reacting because the trauma lived in my body. And I realized like the for the first time I said, I don't know. And uh, all these memories started coming up and I then had to go on this journey of healing of realizing I had pushed that down for so long because I truly believed it was my own fault. And then I realized where that came from is all these teachings of like, hey, cover up or women, if the man struggles, it's your fault. And to your point, the problem with that in marriage is then, (laughs) well, if the man looks at porn, it's your fault because you must not be having enough sex with him or your body doesn't look good enough. Let's come back to the body discussion, which is like, oh, that sickens me that that's even... A thing that um, is spewed like, hey, well, you need to make your body look better. Maybe that's why he doesn't he's he's looking at porn or wanting to have cheat like, oh, I, it actually makes me want to vomit saying that out loud that that is actually something in people's minds or something that is being said. And again, back to, well, of course, 90% of women struggle with their body image because of all of these things, plus adding all the cultural influences. Um, So there's my little (laughs) TED talk on this because it's so important. But I want to also get into, um, you know, the practicals for singles as they're dating um, as they are getting engaged potentially and then entering into those early stages of marriage. You know, I want to talk through how a man can come alongside women who are struggling with body image. And we know it's not only the woman, we know men struggle with it, but m- women just vastly do more. And so I I want to ask you guys your thoughts on, you know, if a woman says, man, gosh, I just look so bad, I, I need to lo- lose weight to her guy, like, what, what is a response? Cause I guarantee almost every woman's going to say that at some point or the other, like every woman's like, I need to lose weight. I look awful. Like how many times do we say that women listening? Right. So how does a man come alongside of her, her partner to like, what should he say in that moment?
3: I have two thoughts here. Um, <laughs> and I know he, He does a really good job with this. So I'm like excited for what you have to say on it. Um, I'm like, I'm very, I'm very thankful for the way that we're able to encourage each other. Um, I first, before anything for the women listening, I think understanding that uh, good men are still imperfect uh, men. And so they're still human and, as we learn and grow in communication, these things get better. But at first it's okay if it's not like 100% exactly what you you need to hear. And if it's not, be open to communicate that if it's a safe environment to do so. And so that I would say responding in a way that um, asks her more of what she's thinking and being Mm -hmm. like, Hey, like what makes you say that to understand like where it's coming from um, oh, also sure. gives more context to, you know, what is going on in her mind and like what she needs. Um, and then mm. affirming her in what you believe positively. Um, if you yes. don't think she looks good, don't you dare say that. Um, if i like, <laughs> <and> check <laughs> your heart. I like, check your heart.
0: Guard your heart. <laughs> And check your your heart.
3: (laughs) But I think, like, responding in a way that says, like, this is what I think about you, and I think you look incredible, but even more so, like, it was very important to me. I had had men comment on my body, and even in the church, like, your body is talked about so much that to hear also, like, it's great to hear that your body, it's amazing to hear that your body is pleasing to your partner, but also your mind. And so even, like, I think affirming, like, it's okay for them. If if a woman needs to feel some type of way for a second, like, there are some days, especially around my period, that I'm like, I don't feel like I look good. And it may not make sense, but at that point in time, like, I just do not feel like I look good. And I know in a few days it'll go away. Um, but I, that is just the reality. And for Josh to come up to me and ask me why, it, one, allows me to, like, figure out, okay, like, this is also like say my period, or I was on Instagram scrolling and this kind of content made me feel insecure. And so it clues me into my side of things of what I can do to help myself in that area. And then for him to respond and be like, well, I'm really sorry that you're feeling that way. I just want you to know that this is how I see you. And like, I think you look amazing, you know, something along those lines. But, um, I don't know what, Do you feel like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, and again, you're asking it's, this is my perspective. I I certainly don't know uh, sometimes, but I feel like you can never go wrong with just kind of like truthfully, just reassuring, like your partner, you're just being like, Hey, like of course go you, but like, I think you're, you know, gorgeous or I think you're like this or like that, like just how you are. You know, don't, I don't feel like, you know, there's pressure or anything around it, you know, and kind of like just giving that reassurance of like, there's literally no pressure that you need to like lose weight because truthfully, like, I feel like, like maybe your partner, like if there is like a health concern, like sure, like encourage them, like, yeah, we can like exercise together or whatever. I feel like there are times when women may say that phrase and they probably like don't have any weight to lose and it could be unhealthy on that end too as well. or something
3: like i remember i came in and i i hated my nose like i wanted a nose job i don't know why i think it was just the 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 cheer world that i grew up in uh, was very body specific and no no like discrimination on if you want to get a nose job get a nose job you Mm -hmm. know um but i remember like the way that i was talking about it was so unhealthy um and whenever I, I came in and Josh was just like, wait, no, like, <laughs> I love why? you. And it was like, why why do you want to do that? And I was so confused. I was like, huh? You like that? And he was like, no, seriously. Like, no, please like, don't change that. I really love that about you. Like that's you. And I was like, <laughs> what to cry. Um, but I think just, I mean, in it, both of you guys communicating and I think women being understanding of like, Men are, may not always know the perfect way to communicate to you, but as long as they're trying to like communicate with them and, and, and tell them what you need in those moments, cause it may look different for some women. Like I have a friend that wants her husband to respond very differently than I like Josh to respond to me. Um, and also men coming into the conversation, understanding that like being ready to, learn more about their wives and understand like why their minds are in this place and how they can help, um, is a really healthy place to come in, whether you're dating or married, if I'm being honest, like I think that really applies yeah, in both for areas. Sure.
2: Yeah, it was a big I think before our wedding is when I struggled the most with body image over the last several years. Um there's a lot of pressure for women, I think that we just mainly put on ourselves as well, but through comparison, through perfectionism, through all these things, you know. <laughs> like I want to look a certain way on my wedding day for these photos that will last forever. And it's like a really hard like mental battle. And I know I was struggling with that a lot, like, because I tend to like fluctuate in weight based on hormonal things or because I have so many food allergies or digestion problems, you know? And so like, sometimes it varies and it like, it it will freak me out sometimes if I'm in an unhealthy place. And um, before the wedding, it was like a very big struggle for me and then like three weeks before the wedding roughly my back went out and then i couldn't even work out (laughs) like i couldn't go on walks and i started like panicking if i'm just being totally honest this is my own journey of like oh my gosh like am i i am i gonna gain all this weight before my wedding i can barely move my back is like i'm like i feel like i'm on bed rest but i also want to be able to walk down the aisle which is way more important than all these other things and anyway, it's it's so unhealthy. I had a friend tell me, like, she's like, I struggled so much with that too. And now I so regret it mainly because... During my wedding, I was the quote-unquote skinniest that I ever had been in my life. And I look back and it's like this unattainable um, standard that I set for myself that I can never actually really be that weight probably ever again in a normal life. Yeah, like, sure. and so, but now I have these pictures to remind me of <laughs> the fact that I could look that way if I was in, if I do very extreme things. And, you know, I think that's just like worthy to mention and, and the fact that in that season, For me, JJ was so affirming all the time. Uh, And he also encouraged me because it was pretty bad at some points. He encouraged me to talk to some girlfriends who had been married and just say like, hey, I think you should talk about this as well with a girlfriend. Like, and honestly, one of my girlfriends said the best thing to me. She said, Kate, first of all, you're so beautiful. And she, of course, you know, was so sweet to affirm Um, that but she was like this is such an amazing season and truly the enemy wants to take away the joy of this season and the beauty that is going to happen on that day to make you focus on this thing that doesn't really matter in the long scheme of things and she was like you've waited for this day for so long like you've dreamt of this day don't let What the enemy's trying to do here to freak you out and give you all this anxiety, take away from the beauty of that joy of what you've prayed for for so long. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you're so right. And it really helped shift my mindset on top of, of course, JJ being so affirming because I've had so many um, exes that have cheated on me. I have so so many stories of abuse and lots of betrayal. And even emotional betrayal, just talking to people behind my back. And JJ is like always affirmed and never made me question my, the, his commitment to me in that way or like what I, and what I look like. Like I truly feel like I, the most beautiful person ever to you. Mm-hmm. I never doubt that. And that's, this is the first relationship truly where I've ever deeply felt that.
0: That's great. <laughs> like, take it. That's a really good thing. Well, can I help out the men listening? Yes. You know, Tim Keller has a great sermon on this. And he sucks. He, he just talks about this one day where your wife's going to walk out. She's going to be wearing a dress. And she's going to look at you and say, honey, do I look fat in this dress? <laughs> and he says, well, obviously, honey, you don't. And regardless of what you really think that's going to be your answer, right? And more importantly, she's going to say, okay, um, well, why do you love me? And he talks about any answer in that moment saying, well, you know, of course I love you because you're beautiful, um, because you look amazing, because you look gorgeous, and that dress just fits perfectly on you. Well, the second you say that, you've trapped yourself in the sense of, Well, what's going to happen when she gets a couple wrinkles on that forehead despite Mm. her amazing retinol routine? What's going to (laughs) happen, right, in that postpartum where maybe that weight's not coming off as easily as possible? What's going to happen when she hits that bout of depression and she's gaining a little bit more weight? If you love her because of the value you've deemed on her, especially for something physical, you've immediately trapped yourself. And I would argue, one, you don't really love her for that. Uh, you like her and you love what it does for you. You love how it serves you. You love how it pleases mm. your eyes. You don't really love her. The only answer that works there is the only answer that we've been afforded in our life. Well, it's, hey, I love you because I love you. <laughs> yeah. Because I love you. Yeah. Yes. Because I love you. And that circular thinking is the only thing that works that will serve you and is actually true love. Well, I love you because I love you, because I chose to love you. Yeah. And that's what we've been afforded. And when it comes to the physical, when it comes to the complimenting, when you truly love someone, right, you have empathy, compassion, and that's a byproduct. You don't mm-hmm. say, I'm going to try to be so compassionate today. Well, when you love someone, you're just compassionate. You think about little children, your nieces and nephews. We don't have kids yet. You guys... We have dog children, you yeah, know, so we, we, we just know, children. though, like I don't wake up in the morning saying I'm going to be super compassionate for Teddy and Loving and give them tons of cuddles and kisses today, right? That's a byproduct of how much I love them.
2: Yeah, that's And good, when it
0: comes to this, the physical affirmation, and Josh, I think you nailed it. It's like that lovingly Edifying encouraging yeah. is just a byproduct. Mm. And the best part about that is you build something over time. You know, to edify, it's you're adding in structures to help support something that's being built.
3: And mm. I know we've touched on it a little, but do you mind if I like say something specific to the girls who are dating or the women?
2: Yes. Yes. I think and we've talked
3: about this a lot. Like some of the best dating advice that I had ever gotten was um to believe someone when they show you who they are. Um, And I know you've like talked on multiple things kind of surrounding that. um, But especially with the body image thing um, in dating, there were a lot of men that I dated. And I I will say I didn't make the best decisions for a while on what kind of men I dated, but all of which who were in the church and said they were Christians. Um, But even in dating who I would notice would make, comments about like food I was eating or calorie intake or weight or things that are already showing you beforehand, that that serves more of a purpose in their life than who you are and the value that you bring. And that is a red flag to run, to get out. Do not marry that man. If I'm being like, do not marry that man. Because I got to this point where I genuinely, I've been told it, I would heard it more than once of like, men saying it, you know if my wife gained like ever gained like 20 pounds like I would I would leave her or like I wouldn't be happy and I oh genuinely gosh. thought that was normal I literally thought that was so normal I
0: mean I've seen that from the pulpit yeah
3: yes I've se- I've I mean, seen it not like from 20 years ago
0: I've seen I've seen like YouTube clips oh in recent years of like pastors with a nice beer belly you I know, know how hot balding talking about like how they totally expect their wife to remain at a certain standard i'm like dude have you looked in the mirror brother and honestly <laughs> like, as someone i'm not who was trying to like, be critical uh,
3: and still am but just not as much right now but like was very much into fitness was like so someone working out six times six days a week like It was something that I heard a lot and it was something that I took to heart and I actually even almost agreed with for a little while. And I came into marriage. I luckily chose an amazing man over here. Um, But we, I mean, part of our story is that my, my thyroid failed. Like as it, right after we got engaged, I gained 30 pounds in two weeks. Like there was nothing I could do about it. I was killing my body, Sam, on the way to the wedding, like just absolutely running myself thin. I could barely get out of bed and I was still getting to the gym every day, like not barely making it like a mile on the treadmill, couldn't do anything. And because I just had this, that expectation in my mind that that was normal and that that was also the mix between the wedding day stuff and also that idea that like, my marriage I have to look a certain way to make my husband happy and I'm not saying like you know go you know as someone who has been anorexic and binged um has done the extremes and has really worked through a lot of that throughout my lifetime and was in like a sport where that was just rampant amongst women um it is just something I would say, like, if that's something that you struggle with or you notice you're, like, dating a bunch of men that are like this and are, like, instilling more of that in you, like, counseling is a beautiful, wonderful thing that I highly recommend um, because those things do bring into marriage. And there are still things that, like, I've learned how to communicate to Josh of, like, this is this is my past or this is something that I've brought in that I've heard. Um, so that he can then address it and you know not continue that narrative or like know how to meet me in that. But um, if you can avoid marrying someone who already shows you those things ahead of time, it's going to make your sex life that much better um, because pregnancy happens, hormones happen, your body fluctuates, and that is normal. And I think it's so important for men to know that because I don't think men... If they don't have sisters um, or like old, like older women friends, then those are things that aren't as talked about. And so, if you're not able to be with a woman who can fluctuate in weight, then like JJ said,
2: I don't I don't know if you actually love her. <laughs> Yeah, ex- exactly. That was so good, babe. Um, Thanks, babe. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to say this, too. So that was so good, Sydney. Oh, yes. Pay attention to those red flags, man. I had so many of that, so much of that. And I also, oh my gosh, my brain's going to two things and I know we're wrapping up our conversation, but I got to say this too for, because coming back to at the beginning of the interview, 77% of people in, in my polls were saying they have fear and anxiety around sex. One of the things in that was I'm going to disappoint him with the way my body looks, right? And so like. Like, you know, and what I want to say to the person, especially the woman and to guys, but especially to women, okay? And I said this to my friend who got married a few months ago. She was like, what is some advice for the wedding night? You know, and I was like, hmm. (laughs) And this is what I said to her. I was like, when you're with a loving man who loves Jesus, who's a safe man, I just need you to know he really in that moment when you're having sex is not thinking about if you're bloated. He's not thinking about if there's any ounce of cellulite on your legs. Like he literally doesn't even see it. Like he sees a naked body and he is pumped. Okay, let me say that. He is like, wow, like this is amazing. Like all the things you're thinking about of like, I'm, I, this is like bloated. I don't normally look this way or, ew, my stomach is looking this way at this angle or what, like there's cellulite on my butt or, you know, like we think about these things, women, um, the guy is not noticing and does not care. Like for them with a healthy, loving guy, like you do not have to worry about that. And, um, That's what I told her. And she was like, that's amazing. These other girls were like, yeah. Like, and I was like, because I think we just, women, were like, is he going to like it? Is he going to like what he sees, like, underneath, like, all the clothes and everything? He's never seen this part of me. Is he going to like it? You know, and sex is so vulnerable and, like you know, you're, you're not always going to be at this perfect angle where like your body just (laughs) looks a certain way. Like you're going to be in different angles. And (laughs) it's just like not always the most flattering angles, if I'm being honest. And so like, (laughs) he doesn't care. Right, babe?
0: I mean, I wish as you're saying that I wish, uh, I think it would be so great for both sides. If I could spend a minute or two minutes in Kate's body, just feeling the anxiety that she feels about life just feeling the mm. thoughts and the pressure of you know that kind of mental aspect of sex that we talked about and i wish for the life of me it would be so great for you sydney and for my wife to just spend a minute in the mind and the body of a man and really Being just a
3: man in christianity <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, just right, right. All that power. No, just that, uh, just that one minute of delight. Of we just do not care. It's like when you look at a nice double cheeseburger. You know, not saying that you guys are double. I'm just kidding. But when you pick up something that you love and delight in, you're not inspecting the fine details of it, saying, "Ah, oh, it's amazing. It's I love this. I yes. love, love, love it." Yes. And the, the last thing I'm thinking about is that flaw. Yes. And really, I love the flaw. I mean, that is what marriage is. It's yeah. I see the perfection of it, and I see the imperfection of
2: and I love your it whole all. self,
0: and I accept and love it all.
2: Yes. Song of Songs is literally a picture of that. He's like detailing out... The woman's body, all different parts of it using very strange ways to say like things about her, which I would not recommend men listening, but like... You know, like, he is, like, delighting in every single part of her body, and that is, like, a prerequisite to, I feel like, sex. Like, you need to be able to delight in every single part of her body, and she, like, a big thing mentally for women, if I know, and on our wedding night, JJ did this, which was so healing, we've told that story, but... I literally felt more beautiful than I've ever felt in my life on that day, but also that night. And I didn't, I was like nervous about that because of what I experienced in the past. And I truly felt like he sees all of me and no part of it, of him has any ounce Mm -hmm. of judgment or second guessing or comparing me to some other woman or to, you know, whatever. He's like, no, I see all of this. And it's like, beautiful and I cherish it. And, um, and that like immediately for me disarmed any ounce of anxiety or insecurity I had in, uh, especially on our wedding night, because I was like, oh, wow. Like I don't have to perform here. I don't have to like Mm, worry about that. And for me, And I know for probably a lot of women like that, I have to perform for him or like he he was like, I don't even we don't even have to have sex. Like I just like being with you like this is enough. And I was like, oh, like even like that being an option is so beautiful and freeing. There's no pressure, which make made me even more like wanting to do it. I'm like, there's no pressure and there's no expectation. And now that like releases something in me to like relax more and actually feel like I can enjoy this. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm being totally honest. Um, like it just for those listening, like if you are dating or you're engaged and you're going into marriage, follow that model, do that model <laughs> because our first experience was weird and it was awkward. But that <laughs> like, honestly, like what well, I'm just going to like, we're not ashamed of that. Cause mm-hmm. it, once you like, we put, of that pressure on ourselves. Um, and not even on each other. Like we literally just put that pressure on ourselves. And when you are able to like what you guys just described is like beautifully being able to like connect with the love that you have each other in your minds rather than focusing on the physical, which is the opposite of what we did on our first night, which, um, Shout out to um, that not ever happening yeah. again. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so was, I think it's just another testament to like even two stories of showing like the difference and what that looks like and how this conversation and like bringing that body image, like bringing the mind and being able to like when you're with someone that you love and you're both communicating and you're connecting in a healthy way, that pressure like releases and you're able to be there in like the most cherished moment. And like, now we are able, like, I don't have, I mean, every once in a while, you know, thoughts creep in. I'm like, if I'm not feeling great or whatever, but I think at first I was so insecure um, in our marriage about my body and how it related. And now like, we don't have that struggle like nearly at all anymore because I know that going in, it's a safe place. I know like what he treasures and what he is excited about and delights in, in me. And it's not like, I I just know that there are so many people out there, whether a man or a woman that's had experience of being delighted in, in certain parts of you, but not fully you. And so, really, like the the difference here in, is like when someone fully delights in all of you, and that changes everything. Like that's where the insecurities fall. That's where chains break. That's where the Lord is glorified, yeah. and that is like where I truly believe like sex thrives.
0: It's so good that that trust is so invaluable, and you know I just want to say I. We are wrapping up. But the (laughs) fact that (laughs) the fact that you guys are so vulnerable and transparent that the first night was not quote unquote perfect is amazing because to a large degree, sex and that night and the initial it, it should be awkward. There should be a lot of growth. (laughs) There should be laughing a lot out. There should be mistakes. That's part of the the beautiful because sex is a journey. You hear that over and over and over. Sex is a journey. It's a lifetime of a journey, and that includes great moments and mistakes and laughs. So, the fact that you guys can extend grace to that night, you can laugh about it, you can talk about it, is a wonderful thing because that is really what we have to go into it saying. There's a great chance that this is not going to be perfect, and it probably should not be perfect in a lot of ways. Um, but how can we just disarm and just grow from this point? Like, yeah. we just want to grow from this point. It's the most intimate act we can commit, you know, with another human being. And in a lot of ways, when you have sex within the confines of marriage, that's true sex. It's a first time, mm-hmm. even if you've had sex yes. outside of marriage, it's not true sex in that sense. So, so I just, Josh, I love your heart, man. I think, you know, when a man can step up to the plate and by all accounts and purposes, like you are a cool guy, you know, like culturally <laughs> speaking, like you got,
2: he's got a man. Crush. You're really funny. <laughs> yeah.
0: People, no, people really seat seat admire on, you.
2: Honestly. We're, we're. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but you know, but anytime a man can step, step up and just say like, I'm not just a quote, cool guy. Who's funny. Like, I'm a man who desires to cherish my wife, to provide safe space, to stand up for what I think is completely wrong when women are objectified. Like, it's just refusing to just stand on the sidelines saying, hey, mm-hmm. I actually have a platform and a voice now. I'm also going to use it for what I think is not okay. Uh, So I think, you know, we all know that Sydney's going to come in spitting fire, but coming from a man, (laughs) by all accounts and purposes, who can just settle to be a cool guy and funny, I love seeing men step up to the plate. So good. Yeah.
2: You guys, this has been such a good conversation with both of you and... I just so appreciate – I love it. Like, I know we could talk for a whole nother hour because I know you guys are so passionate about this conversation and, like, so much more of I mean, We could talk about modesty. I like yeah. all these things. I'm like, let's just throw in the hot button where it's great. But I really appreciate it and um, – I love, too, and I'm so grateful. Lovey's trying to get in my space right now, just FYI. She's, like, sneaking up. She's like, I'm done with this interview, you guys. It's time to play. Um, But I love that, you know, also that you guys are so willing to talk about it as a couple that is more young in their marriage. Because, you know, we we have so many people, like, listening that is like, I don't need to hear the pastor who's been talking about this for 20 years. I need somebody who's like, I get— I was, I just went through this and I've heard a lot of the same things and teachings you've heard and I'm in the similar cultural moment as you are right now. And I was dating in that similar cultural moment, you know, and it's like, and I got married in that similar cultural moment. And so, yeah, I'm just so grateful for you guys, your willingness to come on and talk about this kind of rogue, different kind of subject and, but really important one and, yeah, I'm just thankful. I want to hang out with you guys again. I know, we're awesome. going
3: to come visit. We're so thankful for us Like, we're just, we're so proud to know you guys and for all that you're doing. And another, another game night soon.
0: <laughs> I know. Time. Well, we can do virtual, so.
2: <gasps> oh, we should.
0: I know. Oh, yeah. Well, thank we you guys love. so much. <laughs> yeah. We love you guys. We
2: love you guys. Okay. Talk soon. Bye. The Heart of Dating podcast is created by Kate Warman. It is a part of the Converge podcast network. Our incredible editor is the one and only Scott Caro. Our theme music was developed by the amazing Christian Ledoux. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, or if you've never written us a review or ranked us on iTunes, we'd encourage you to do so because it helps us so much to get this podcast into more people's ears. We launch our podcast each and every week on Wednesdays. So we'll see you next week.